0: Well, we've heard plenty in the past couple of years about short-term performance or retail-style tactical marketing versus longer-term brand building and how much of which should be going on to what media channels. If you don't know too much about the ins and outs of where the industry debate has traversed on this subject, I humbly suggest you dive into mi-3.com.au. It's been one of our biggest points of industry interest since we launched in 2019. Now, with all that as context, we have a fine mind with us today to unpack just which channels are working for short-term performance-based marketing. And I know you think you've got that nailed. Search, or rather Google search reigns supreme, right? Well, Professor Peter Danaher, head of Monash University's marketing department and a professor of marketing and econometrics has overseen a project which analysed 60 brands uh, with a collective turnover of $23 billion in Australia to see what the econometrics tell us about which channels are working in the short term. You'll just be a little surprised, I suspect, and certainly very relevant given the economic times we're in now with COVID and the big move to... uh, to deliver some short-term results for companies. The study we're talking about involved, as I said, 60 brands in Group M's client portfolio and was funded by Think TV in its Payback series. What's the takeout? Well, Professor Danaher says Search did indeed take out the top return on investment spot in short term, but there is a twist. TV came in a very close second and as TV executives enthusiastically point out, it's also by far the top performer in delivering longer-term advertising return on investment. Their argument goes that it's a double hit. Short and long is what you get with television. But to many, the short-term result for TV can't be right. So we're going to talk to the professor to sort all this out. So welcome, Professor Peter Danaher. Great to have you on board. I'm really looking forward to seeing how you um, silence some of those uh, those critics on on this, these sort of studies. First up, before we try to address the sceptics who will say this is a TV industry-funded study, so of course it's going to be good for TV, quickly give us a picture of how econometrics uh, is used outside of marketing and media, and how credible it is. I think it's been used extensively, for example, in modelling the spread of COVID-19, and those scenarios haven't been too far off the mark, have they? Welcome. Thank you, Paul, and uh, nice to be able to chat
1: with you about this, and, and I love the way you framed the whole problem. Yeah, econometrics, well, the, the topic of econometrics really is a post-war thing uh, and has been flourishing, um, you know, for many decades now. You'll see applications of econometrics, uh, you mentioned uh, in epidemiology for um, the spread of COVID-19, the, the dissemination of COVID-19. You'll see it in many, many forecasting areas. The Treasury Department does forecasts using econometrics. You'll see it in uh, the share market, for example, uses, uses econometrics substantially to predict uh, winners in the, in the share market. we may forecasters. You may not believe them too much, but they use econometrics as well. The applications of econometrics are more broadly statistical models is extremely, extremely wide.
0: And the margin of error and typically in some of this, uh in, in a lot of these things, how far can they, how far can they go wrong or can they go wrong far? How's that for a reframe? Yeah,
1: depends on so many factors, but probably the primary factor for would be the how much information you have, i.e., how big is your data. Right. The more information you have, the better you can do. And we mentioned weather forecasting before, how how fickle it might be. Well, it's because they have they have to change their updates so quickly. They have they have less information to work on. And somebody who's got years and years of data. For example, the a lot of the studies that I'll be talking about today are built up over um you know a, a time span of you know 52 weeks sometimes 104 weeks or so two years worth of data so quite a lot of information going into this.
0: And so on that point, you know it is all about scope of the data input. So take your point on that and so and the quality of that data. So when we're talking about something like this study, just really quickly, uh the methodology here how does it sort of compare to some of the other work you've seen and do in around econometrics? 60 brands, 23 billion dollars sales data. I assume is what's gone in there. How credible and how large is this data set and the quality of it? There's sort of two layers to
1: the data here. The first layer is what we call the, is the weekly sales data. So, for example, you know, I can't name any of the brands, but you know, pick any any big brand you like. We'll have for each week the the sales. They have dollar sales. And we'll also have for that week how much they've spent um, on uh, advertising, be it television, be it out of home, be it radio, be it search engine, be it social media. Um, and associated with the spend is the uh, audience size. So it could be, in the case of television, we talk about tarts, target audience rating points. Um, in the case of um, online display, we talk about impressions. Um, in the case of search engine advertising, we talk about clicks. Uh, and so those exposure measures are linked by, through these econometric models they are linked to sales um, so you can tell from the econometric models you kind of like think of it like you're teasing out the different components of um, advertising to see okay if there's if you imagine like points out of 100 out, out of that percent 100 percent what percent goes of the impact goes to television what percent goes to search engine advertising what percent goes to um, digital video for example so that that's the the, the huge benefit here is the ability to parcel out each of the um, different media and their and their relative impact on sales. Um, the information that I was using that was uh, I worked with with Group M is uh, a little more higher level than the weekly data. The, the, the information I had was the return on investment in the short term for each of the brands and the return on investment, the long-term return on investment for each of the brands. But it wasn't just 60 brands because, as I mentioned before, almost all of these campaigns, and there were about 130 campaigns, all of them used multiple media. So you don't, these days you don't go to bat with a one-person team. <laughs> you go to bat with quite a few in your team. And, and I think the minimum number of media was about four, and the most was about 10 or 11. So right. you know, we, we, we monitored in this study nine different media we reported on, but there are actually a few more in there that we didn't report on because the sample sizes were a bit low. So when you've got, you know, 60 brands, but if a brand's got using six media, that's six observations, right? But we ended up having 850 observations in the end from those 60 brands. So it's
0: for a professor, it's uh, it's passable, the
1: quality assurance is there, it's robust. There's two there's two things, there's the robustness of the results, um, which is how good is your econometric model, and the other thing is the representativeness of the results. So 60 brands is a is a, lot, a large number, but it covered 10 different product categories. So we had automobiles, we had alcohol, we had retail, we had fast-moving consumer goods, we had airlines, you know, a really good broad spectrum of categories within Australia.
0: So what I reckon our audience is going is, yeah, yeah, we've got the methodology, can you give us the findings? Well, just hang about, they are coming. But first up, I guess the important question to ask, why is the television industry doing this first, uh, Professor? Why are they doing it? And then we'll get to the findings, hang about, it's coming. Well, I guess why is
1: that a little bit of history on that. Uh, in, with with online media, when, when online media started to become more popular and regularly used in business for advertising, it was pretty easy to link um, advertising exposure to downstream behavior.
0: And the, and the reason
1: is that if you if you go on a website and there's a banner ad there what they now call online um, digital uh, online display, if you see an online display ad and you click on it, you go to a website's landing page and you end up buying something, you've got that linkage all the way from exposure down to individual purchase. And that kind of changed the whole playing field because prior to that time, it was pretty difficult to link advertising exposure to actual purchase behaviour. And it kind of raised the bar. (laughs) Then advertisers went back to television and said, well, when I go with Mr. Google and I go with... um, uh, Facebook, and when I go with my online display advertising, I can link exposures to sales. So what can you do? Well, you can tell me is about TARPs, you can tell me about reach, you can tell me about frequency, so audience measures. I want to know about impact measures. How does this advertising impact sales? And so TV kind of had to lift its game in that regard. But it's more difficult in the case of television. And so the, the mechanism for linking ad exposure to sales is through econometric modelling. And that's the route that we're
0: going to take here. Got it. I'm going to take you up a side creek because as you were talking, it just brought back a whole debate that I still shake my head and, and, and struggle to get some understanding around, and that is this thing called last-click attribution. Now, okay. um, is it a false economy? I know this is how did a whole industry get to last-click attribution? It goes to some of, some of the econometrics. I assume that you're talking about that there's a whole industry based on who delivered the last click was the ad impression that moved the person to make the make the action how do we get there and is there anything in it a couple of years ago paul i wrote
1: an article which you, and you're like this since you're you're a, um, a words man and the title was called delusion and attribution okay. mm. um and the delusion is that especially last touch attribution is that it works backwards it says a sale has been made and let's go backwards in time and to find out what the most recent touch point was and that's very much biased against mainstream media. It very much favours media like um, what we call EDMs, you know, basically email. Because email is sent out pretty frequently. Um, It's it's very costless to do so. And so because people get these emails all the time, the the time coincidence between receiving an email and making a purchase is pretty high, Um, whereas exposure to television is not as frequent as it is to to, uh, EDMs. And so consequently, um, television doesn't look quite as good. And But from, from last touch attribution, the two, the two things it doesn't do well, very well, actually they all, the two things it does very poorly at is dealing with advertising carryover, which is, you know, people might be advertised to today, might linger for several more days or several more weeks. And the other thing it doesn't do well is something we'll come to later on, which is synergy. How does how do the media work together? I think we
0: might have to have another whole conversation on last last touch attribution because, as you say, even with email, you know, you have even even other digital exposures uh, that were the last point of exposure to someone gets the gets the kudos for delivering the result beyond an EDM. So look, there's a whole lot there. I'd love to go there. We don't have the time. Let's get to what everyone sort of I guess uh, will be wanting to know is what are the key findings? What came out of this study that said, okay, we have to reassess some of the assumptions that the industry has made about short-term return on investment,
1: just to in a sense emphasise or underscore the uh, power of television for in the long-term uh, return on investment. So once I got these 800 plus observations, uh, I just basically averaged the long-term return on investment across the different nine different media categories, or media channels. And so the figure for television return, return on investment figure for television, was 18.3.
0: This is long-term or short-term? Long-term. Still long-term, long-term, yep. It yep.
1: starts long-term. And so what that means is $1 investment in advertising returns $18.30 back to you in sales. The next figure down is uh, 14.1 return on investment, and that's for social media. And we've got then digital video at, at just under, th- under 14, and we've got um, digital uh, on- online display for the, the next one. So there's, a, there's basically we're looking at 18 is the figure for television, and the next one's down already about 13 to 14. So there's quite a substantial difference in return on investment between television, uh, new media, in a sense. Now, if we switch tax to short term, the short term return on investment, uh, as you mentioned before, uh, the search engine advertising is the top dog. And now the, the figures are a lot lower for short term, as you can imagine, because um, we haven't taken into account the um, carryover, advertising carryover. So the figure for search engine advertising is 4.5, meaning $4.50 return for $1 invested for search engine advertising. But probably the surprising thing is the second place, the silver medal, um, which is television advertising at 4.3. Uh, and in, in, in close proximity is social media, online digital Um and uh, digital display advertising. So basically in in the group, the top five group for short-term advertising, they're all as expected, you know, search engine advertising, digital video, digital display, um, social media, but then television comes into that top group as well. That's probably the surprising result that people may not have expected. Did it surprise you? Not actually. No, it didn't surprise me. Um, I was probably more surprised by how close they all were. Before. Right, right. Fully expecting a big difference in the long term, and we got that. Um, and Um, uh, But the short term, basically between the top five, the highest score is 4.5. The lowest score is 4.0. So they're all pretty close. So, Professor, one of the
0: challenges, I guess, from the outside for television is that it's always seen as more expensive than, say, something like search or social. The cost of the media unit is is much, is much lower in those other digital platforms. Does that work against uh, television?
1: It works against the, the perception of television, but actually um, the truth of it is that, yes, it is more expensive to advertise on television, but the return you get in terms of incremental sales, dollar sales, is substantially more. So let me give you an example from the study. So what we did in the the, uh, study was we indexed the incremental spend uh, for television, we did it for out-of-home viewing, Um, we did it for radio, et cetera, all the dying media. And we indexed each of the media against television in terms of incremental sales. So if we put television at 100, the next medium down, which is only at 30, um, was out-of-home, We've got search at 27, and we've got digital video also at 27. So basically, the other media are doing, you know, a quarter to one-third of the incremental sales that television's doing. So, yes, television's more expensive. What you get back for it is, you know, three three times the amount, basically, in terms of dollar sales. So, Professor, for slow coaches like me, that would mean that in the
0: short-term ROI study that you did where search was at about $4.50, Television was at four dollars thirty, even though there's only a twenty cent difference in ROI. There's quite a significant difference in the actual dollar incremental increase. You're talking millions here.
1: Yeah, exactly right. And that's the thing: is that um, return on investment. It's not. Well, it's not always just about return on investment because that's, you think of that as like a measure of media efficiency, but you also need to talk about media volume. How much does it actually create in terms of incremental sales? And that's the distinction between return on investment. And this thing about you know, volume of sales moved.
0: And is that because of the reach of television? Is that why that happens? Just as big a bigger volume of people?
1: Just because, well, that's that's certainly part of it. Yeah. But I mean, the, the re- television is a broadcast medium, right? That's that's the thing, is it does reach more people. And as, as I mentioned also previously, is that television captures people at different stages of their purchase. So it's it's um in, in different segments of people. So for example, if you are um, in the market for a car and you go to cars and search car sales you kind of a fair way down the track towards buying a car already but if you see if you see like you're watching the australian open kia was one of the major brand advertisers during the australian open and so it's carrying brand awareness so you may not be purchasing a car this week but in a year's time kia's top of mind right gives us brand awareness from kia so that that's kind of what we're looking at here is that tv can capture your um your sort of drive your purchase behavior from way back to in your early, early stages of your purchase decision as opposed to the end stages of your purchase decision.
0: Got it. The takeout from here then is that in, in short term, there will be a lot of surprise people that TV even gets close to to search, because, you know, what is it, a a three to four billion dollar business. Uh, in Australia for, for Google, uh, search paid search advertising. It's massive. And it's all about the fact that most people genuinely believe that there is a light and day between search and whatever comes next. Um, so what do you think will be going on inside uh, marketers' minds with these numbers, Peter? What should be going on in their minds?
1: One of the things I wanted to get across is is uh, we've got the figures, but we need to know the reasons why we've got those figures because right? You, know, you mentioned before, people you know, there might be some cynics out there saying, well, you know, there's a television study, guess what? They show television works really well in the short and the long term. But you have to explain this to people. And so the, the two key reasons I've got to explain this, uh, number one is that uh, there's another concept which we haven't talked about so far, which is a, probably less well-known than return on investment. And that's what we talk about, advertising elasticity. And probably another way to term it would be the consumer response to advertising. You see... Um, There's two schools of thought here. One of of which is that advertising has an immediate effect and then has diminishing returns. And the other is that uh, television advertising has what might be called a a slow burn, where it runs along very flat for a while, you hit a threshold, then it shoots up, and then kicks in from there. There's been two competing schools of thought on this going back to the 1980s. In fact, even a Nobel Prize winner, um, Herbert Simon wrote a whole paper about this, and the consensus among all these studies is that the diminishing returns effect is more is more commonly seen than the slow burn or threshold or sometimes S-shaped effect that people talk about. Um, and so, basically, the the key thing is that the response to television advertising is immediate. It's not wait a little while before it kicks in. It kicks in from the very first exposure. What might be called a fast start. And I've been using the analogy of a 100-metre sprint where you get out of the starting blocks pretty quickly and keep on going strong, um, and that's pretty much what we see with television. The the effect is much quicker than people realise.
0: Do you think that uh, that will come as well, so basically marketers will have to sort of reassess how they think uh, about the, their channel mix with, the, with this sort of data?
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about it because the amount of money that a, a marketing manager has today to spend on advertising probably hasn't increased. The number of media channels certainly has increased. And so they've got to make decisions about, oh, okay, which ones do I uh, retain? Which ones do I drop? Which ones do I expand? And that sort of thing. And so digital media has very much um, gained on, in that background because it's relatively cheaper than traditional media. And uh, so now it's like to say, well, before you, it's like a stampede of of people going to digital media. Um, I think it also, there's a lot of people, if you look at it from an alternative um, cynical point of view, a lot of people in agencies are quite young. They're engaged in sales and social media um, and uh, digital activity. And so they think that the whole world is like that. Whereas in fact, the whole world is not quite like that. Um, The world's a bit more conservative. So I think this is going to make marketing managers um, reassess how they're going to uh, uh, you know, allocate their budgets. And one of the first things they need to do is to figure out the response that consumers have to their advertising, just how, how effective is their advertising. Um, that, that should be the next step. It's not not just let's do digital because everybody else is doing digital, but let's do digital because it works or let's do TV because it works and we know it works for us. And, and these sort of results that I'm showing today, um, they are able to show that television works across this broad range of brands.
0: Tell me, Professor, do you think in the faculty you head and with the students you have and the advisory work that you do outside directly with companies, do you see a bias of any sort or do you think people are fairly neutral and open or is there something that's you know, flipped, you know, a virtual professor that you may know, may have heard of called Mark Ritson has long talked about the bias uh, towards digital by certain parts of the market. Do you buy that line and what, what do you make of that?
1: You've got to look at, I did a study with Australia Post about 10 years ago. And what I, what I found really interesting about working with Australia Post was, they they, you know, we, we all we all have a letterbox, right? Um in fact we may not know this we're required by law to have a letterbox, so the ATO can put statements in our, in our letterbox. That that is very important. <laughs> it's very important to say you owe us some money. Yes. You're required to have a letterbox. But what I found interesting of working with Australia Post is that we think of them as like a, a consumer um uh consumer company that they they serve us at our, at our doorstep, but they're, they're, as far as they were concerned, their client base is not the end consumer, it's the people that send information out. So they want to talk to advertising agencies, direct marketing companies, banks, for example, utilities. That, that's, as far as they're concerned, that's their customer base. And so when I gave those presentations um, to their, their their clients, it was all about um, trying to imp- impress the senders of information. And it's the same thing here with television. Uh, this is res- results that we're talking about today is that, the audience here isn't necessarily television viewers. It's people who are responsible for allocating advertising decisions, um, and that, that's those are the point. Those those are the people that need to um, listen to what we have to say what I have to say in particular, I hope. So there is a little bit of, I guess people do have their own biases. I know Mark Ritson very well. I used to work with him at London Business School. We were at the same university for a while.
0: How did you cope?
1: Never go drinking with Mark Ritson.
0: (laughs) That's the single universal truth about that man, I suspect.
1: Never get into a beer drinking competition with Mark Ritson, okay? Anyway, uh, uh, social media, That social media is not as effective as it ought to be, that sort of thing. And if you think about so many digital media, and particularly search engine advertising, it's kind of... um, You'll, you'll get, when, when people get to the point of searching, using keywords to search, they're probably a fair way down the purchase funnel anyway, right? They're kind of already in, in, the, in the mode of purchase. And so we talked before about attribution. This is why Search Engine does so well on attribution. It's because you, if you're getting down to that, that thin end of the, of the funnel, you know, your kind of mind's already half made up you're gonna make, make a purchase. If you go to the wider end of the funnel, that's where television starts to have some impact because it captures not just people who are about to purchase, it captures people who are thinking about a purchase or thinking about um, alternative brands. Um, And so it captures people at different, you know, right from the very beginning, of the purchase decision not just the end of the purchase decision Great points and let's
0: just finish up really with this whole notion of you've worked in marketing for a long time you've been an academic you've, you advise companies big brands uh, and big marketing teams global ones at least are already doing their versions of market mix modelling uh, I assume and suspect you've been involved in some of that stuff what are their findings showing up versus this study that you've just done now with, uh, with Think TV Yeah well sure
1: I mentioned the Australia Post one that um, there's a couple of others. and I, can, I think I could probably say one of them was Maya, did a study with Maya, which was I actually really enjoyed this one um, because it was a multimedia campaign 10 different media and, and basically the remit was to figure out what the most um, the relative importance of the different advertising media and driving sales for Maya. And we're able to do it because Maya has a loyalty program. It's actually the third biggest loyalty program in Australia. And so we're able to link, um, tell- we, we we I figured out how to do um, exposure to different media through a, a, a media diary, like old-fashioned diary, where things used to be done before people meters were well. mm-hmm. Um, And we linked advertising exposures to sales through the loyalty program. And what we found was that the top dog media in those cases was, was direct mail. Uh, Catalogues worked very well, the Maya catalog. Uh, television was in there in the top group. We had very poor response to uh, social media and online video. If I felt like, it, well, it, like it, was, it was kind of a story about traditional media does actually better than the new media.
0: So the, so they're correlating quite well then at the moment, the, the, those previous studies you've done and, and the latest one you've done with Think TV on the payback.
1: They are definitely correlating well. In fact, I feel somewhat, somewhat like a dinosaur when I report these results because I feel like I'm a proponent for traditional media.
0: And so the timing on those, just out of interest, the timing on those studies, those previous econometrics and marketing mix uh, work that you did, is that in the last five years? The, the
1: one with Maya was, was more than five years ago. The other two were less than five years ago.
0: To the final point, Professor, is back on television and what you're working on there, what's next now with, um, with, the, with this study? Are you doing a road show? Are you presenting? What is the What do you understand the TV industry is going to do next with this work and what comes down the pipe? Are you working on some other things?
1: The next step from this, from this point is to, you've talked about media mix modelling. Basically, the the, uh, results that are presented recently are just like top line to sort of say, long-term is good, short-term is good, television, you know, gets out of the starting blocks very fast. The next step is to say, uh, how do I allocate my advertising budget? What percentage should be television? What percentage should be social media? What percentage should be um, out of home? What percentage should be cinema advertising? So um, we've done some preliminary work already, Paul, um, and, and comparing the existing advertising mix or media mix with the optimal mix. Um, and uh, the depending on the category you're, you're in, uh, well, on average, television spend, the television industry is underspending a little bit. But depending on the category, like the fast moving consumer goods, the spend on television is way under what it should be compared with the optimal.
0: So that's a bit of a teaser of what's coming.
1: There is a teaser. There's, there is more coming. Um, and there's more work in the background. Uh, but that's that's the
0: next step. Well, I look forward to sort of uh, breaking that one down too. Good to talk, Professor Peter Danaher, Head of Monash University's Department of Marketing and a Professor of Marketing and Econometrics. Great, great perspective. And um, next time I will ask you about that drinking session with, uh, with Mark Ritson. But um, for now, thanks, thanks, Professor Peter Danaher. Good to talk. Thank you, Paul. Good talking with you. MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's moi. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes go to podcast1.com.au or search MI3 audio edition on Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button. Listener